Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week we're celebrating the Feast of St. Luke, our patron saint here at St. Luke's Church. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, giving it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Back when I worked at the hospital, I worked at a children's hospital. I was the chaplain there. And I remember early on one of my my first sort of on calls where, so the way it worked is we had a a group of people, a staff of chaplains, uh, but they worked, you know, like Monday through Friday, I don't remember, eight to four or something like that. And then, you know, they took off. And so um, somebody had to be there all the rest of the time, and usually just one of us covering the whole hospital. And this is a, it was a big hospital, it was like a 350 bed hospital, which is, which is a pretty good size hospital. And it was, it was a children's hospital, so only little kids are patients, right? Um, the only thing they didn't do for little kids was deliver them. You couldn't be born at the children's hospital, but if you had any other kind of problem, it was a great place to be. But anyway, while I was on call, I was called, um, we had the little pagers, and um, the come up to a part of the hospital I had never really spent a lot of time in. It was, um, it was sort of a step-down unit from the cancer unit. Um, and so I was called up there, and it took me a minute to find my way, because like every hospital, it's not, you know, it's like eight different buildings of slightly different heights all kind of cobbled together, right? So you have to take like a series of elevators and move around. You've all been to a hospital, you know what it's like. It's not any easier if you work there. Anyway, so I have to find my way up to this, this room where I've been called to, and I don't really know why I've been called. 
right? We don't really know that. It just, it's just sort of the page comes over, please come to wherever. And so I arrive, and I don't really, I don't remember, it was a young girl. She was about four, I think, was the patient. And I don't really remember her name. And I don't really remember what she was in the hospital for. Um, what I do remember is what the nurses told me is that one is that she had basically lived at the hospital for about two years. She had been there almost constantly across that time. And I know that she probably had cancer because she, she had been taking steroids. Because you could tell, you know, she had the puffiness that you get when you take steroids. And so, um, and the other thing that the nurse told me that really stuck with me is that, that today they had decided to release her from the hospital. Today was the day after two years when they were going to get to go home. But the reason they had called me was, is because she has coded. She had died. And they had revived her. But they were having trouble stabilizing her. And so we had been in this sort of lower care room, right, that didn't have a lot of equipment in it. And so they needed to move her across the hospital to a room that had the equipment they would need because they were really struggling to keep this little girl alive. And so... So as I get there, it's about the time when they're getting ready to make this move. And so she's laying like on a hospital gurney, you know, like you normally see. And there are people like pushing the gurney through the hospital. And there's a doctor on top of her doing CPR, which is a horrible thing to actually watch. And all the nurses and the doctors and the technicians, it's like this whole parade running through the hospital with this little girl. And we get to the room where we need to be, and her, and her mom is there, and her grandma is there, and, and some other family members, and they, they're in tears, of course, and they're asking me to pray. And boy, did I pray. Man, I prayed. And yet, despite our prayers, and I wasn't the only one praying in that room, she didn't make it. And eventually, the little girl died, and they could not. They recovered her twice. They were not able to do it a third time. And on the day, after two years in the hospital, when she was supposed to go home, because she was getting better, she had stabilized, she was, she was looking hopeful. That's the day she died. And, and the thing about working at a children's hospital is, it's really rare that the patients die. You know, I worked, also worked at like a regular big people hospital, and like three or four people die every day, because that's just kind of where most people go to die. But in the children's hospital, even people with the worst, most chronic cases, it's extremely rare for someone to die, maybe three a month. And so this was, this was devastating, because you know, in a children's hospital, People get to know each other because you know, she had lived here for two years and, and the doctors knew her and her family and the nurses and the technicians. It was like a, like a little community and it was like this terrible, tragic death in the midst of that community. And I've, I've never seen anything like it where when she finally, they, they, they couldn't go on. Like the doctors are in tears and those guys, they're hard hearted. They never cry. And the nurses are in tears. And the technicians are in tears. And the family's in tears. I'm in tears. I'm absolutely overwhelmed. 
And I tell you what, my replacement was a guy named Travis. He was coming in after me. And I've never been happier to see anyone than when Travis walked in the room. But it made me really think about, about prayer, right? Because we often think about prayer in terms of uh, sort of like asking for things and hoping they happen, like, like healing, right? And today when we're remembering Luke the physician, the, the great evangelist who wrote the book of Luke, who is a companion of St. Paul, who was a physician whose life was dedicated to the health and wellness of the community, I think it's important for us to step back and think about prayer in our lives, right? Because when, when Jesus asks us to pray, I don't think he's asking us to think of all the things we want, like making up a Christmas list and telling God what those things are so that we can get them. Because even when Jesus prays, we, we hear in the Gospels often about Jesus' prayer, but only one prayer of his is recorded. And it's the prayer at Gethsemane, where Jesus prays for to be delivered from the crucifixion. He says, please, if this cup can pass from me, please let it do so. But if it can't, be with me. That's essentially what Jesus' prayer is. And, and I think as I look back on that, on that hospital experience and, and other experiences like it, It's pretty clear to me that prayer is not about wish fulfillment. But ultimately, it's about being in relationship with God and trusting in some way that God is with us, just like Jesus, in the most difficult and trying parts of our life. Because the reality is, is though even though that girl didn't survive, in that hospital and in hospitals all over the world, amazing miracles are happening every day. That things that our forebears dreaded and died from, people don't die from today. That, that God has granted us knowledge and curiosity to the point where we go after cures and we find therapies that keep people alive that they would not have been alive if they had suffered from in the past, right? And so our prayers, I think, are also, they're, they're about aspirations, right? They're about communicating, it's true, what we hope for. Not a wish list of things we hope will drop into our lap, but, but at their best, prayer is about orienting ourselves to the possibility and the power of hope. It's about imagining what could be and asking God to give us the strength to take ourselves there. In the same way that when Jesus prays to be delivered from the cross, it is still Jesus who walks to Calvary with the cross piece on his back. And that God is there to strengthen him on that journey so that he can accomplish what he needed to accomplish for us. And in the same way, when we pray, I hope our prayers are about giving us the strength to do the work we have been given to do. That each of us has a calling and a vocation and a mission in this life. And, and today we celebrate those whose vocation is healing, but all of us have a role to play in the building up of our community, of our neighbors, of the kingdom of God. 
And sometimes the things we pray most fervently for don't come to pass. But hopefully that gives us resolve that next time we'll know what to do. We'll have the energy. We'll be able to marshal the resources and so that whatever misfortune befalls us today can be the seeds of something good tomorrow. And that, that prayer is this most fundamental activity of Christian life that centers us in our relationship with God, that opens to us the possibility of hope, that empowers us to make positive change in our own lives and in the lives of those we encounter. That prayer is the fundamental practice of Christian life because it reminds us not only of who we are, but of whose we are, Jesus's agents of love and mercy and healing in this world. And so I, I would pray <laughs> that none of us lose hope, that when faced with the terrible things that will come our way in our lives, that those are not evidence of the ineffectiveness of prayer, but that they might be the springboard through prayer of a strength and a resilience and a resolve we might otherwise never have known. Amen.